All right, everybody, welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you so very much for joining us here again. Uh, make sure that no matter where you're watching us from, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, that you like, follow, and subscribe. And remember, wherever you access your podcast from, Spotify, Pandora, you can also access Studio B from that platform as well. Uh, today, I got in the studio a very, very, very good friend of mine. Uh, he was on the podcast about five months ago, and it took about five months for me to get him back on the set, but he is back on the set this time, uh, Pastor James A. Lee. How you doing, brother? I'm wonderful, man. Good morning. Good morning to you, and I'm excited to be back, man. I don't know if it took five months for you to get me back or... <laughs> Five months before you decided that I was worthy. Yeah, God is good, man. So how you doing, brother? I'm well, brother. I can't complain. Doing well. Work is good. God is good. Uh, family is is good. Everything is good. Uh, let's kind of set a, a little bit of the framework here. Uh, Pastor Lee is uh, my, and I don't. And you guys know this. I don't throw this word around arbitrarily, but he is a good friend. Uh, not just a friend, but a good friend. Um, uh, one of my close inter-circle friends that I can bounce ideas off of. And we have some very spirited conversations uh, at times. And where, uh, But here's the thing about our, 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 our friendship. Our friendship can handle disagreements. Amen. Amen. Um, and so we're able to, you know, to check one another, to keep the boundaries in place. Uh, you know, he'll reel me in because he knows I kind of go off on the deep end at times. Uh, so we have a very, very productive relationship, man. And I really, uh, really, really appreciate that, brother, because it's important that you have those kind of people in your life. Absolutely, man. And I appreciate your friendship, too, because just as you say, you know, you keep me focused at times and, and keep me grounded because sometimes I have a tendency to be a little pie in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's all good. It, it's a good yin and yang. Really it's a good is. yin and yang. Yeah, yes, it is. So, man, we're gonna. Um, we don't even have a script for this, y'all. <laughs> that's what we was talking about just pre before we started recording. Uh, there's no script, and I think that's gonna be the best way for this podcast to kind of uh, pick up. And so, I want to throw some stuff out here that he's not prepared for, but he, that he's ready for. So, let's talk about Black America. Well, first, I just want to <laughs> say before you get started. This is so counter Marcus Holman, y'all. Marcus Holman scripts everything. Everything is one, two, three, four, and it is. So I'm, I'm totally off guard. But go ahead. Go ahead. Let's go. Let's go. I'm good. I'm good. So let's talk about black America. We are now in Black History Month. Yes, we are. Okay, so now we're getting 28 days of uh, African-American lessons and, and those who have contributed to American society. Um, what do you think the state of black America is and where are we right now as a people as it is in 2020? Man, I, I knew we were going to start with this, this broad sweeping question. <laughs> the, the state of black America, this is, is my opinion. I have to make sure that we have to say that, that uh, I, I do not believe that black America is where we need to be. I believe we're way further down the, down the road than some folks would like to uh, say that we are. But I know that we have a lot further to go. And, and, and I'm kind of steering, because I'm in a vein right now, where I'm steering all of my uh, energy and, and, and all of my efforts to getting people back to being focused on Christ, mm -hmm. to getting people focused on Christ, because that's where I need to be, because there's so many distractions and so much stuff that goes on. But uh, I, I know that here in America right now, it's, it's better than it was in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. But I, I know that we have a, a long way to go. I know that there's still an education uh, disparity and gap. I know that there's still a uh, financial disparity and gap. I, I also am totally aware that there is still some uh, obstacles that are placed in front of those of a darker hue, black people, than there are from, from others. I watched a show the other night, and it was just amazing. And uh, gosh, I forget the name of it. But there is a world school that's right across the street from a project in Brooklyn. I mean, literally across the street. One side of the street, there's a school that it costs $40,000 a year to, to enroll your kids, a, 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 middle, a elementary through high school. And then right across the street, there's a housing project where there's not two people that make $40,000 a year mm. in, the, in the project. So 
what's the state of black America? That kind of sums it up right there, that there's obstacles that are placed in some folks way that keep them from going just across the street. And a lot of those obstacles are financial and institutional. So and let me just kind of bring you into what we're talking about. So we talk about this um, at at length um, in private conversations. Um, so where does how does one begin to start to bridge that gap? On what level do we bridge that gap? Is that a individual level to where we start to bridge that gap? Is that a corporate level? Is that a governmental level? social program level? Where do we begin to start to bridge those gaps? Well, I guess that kind of ties into our conversation that we had last time. I believe that everything starts at a ground and grassroots level. I believe that building relationships with people who don't look like you, building relationships with people who have different experiences and come from a different part of the, the world, or excuse me, a different side of the tracks from you. Yeah, I, I believe that if you are... Uh, serious about trying to make change, you make change face to face, not at a governmental, not at a legislative, not at any of those levels. Now, of course, those levels are are, are needed because you do have to have because everyone's not going to just kind of come over at once. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that it starts with conversation and it starts with building relationships. So in, in our um, the way I'm looking at this is, of course, we're coming off of 2020. Mm -hmm. And all that 2020 brought with it, COVID-19, political unrest, social unrest. And we looked at 2020 as a absolute divided nation. Yes. Um, even going all the way up to the elections where it was literally 50-50 of one uh, party to the other party and, and all these other things. So we had uh, black versus white. We had cops versus community. We had rich versus poor. We had blue versus red. We had all of these divisions that were popping up all over the place in 2020. And so 2020 was this racial awakening okay. um, where we had a new formed and a newfound interest um, and determination about bridging racial gaps. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree with a lot of those things that there are some things that we do need to still fix, as your point said, economic disparities, um, you know, educational disparities, those things that need to be talked about. I think where we get into the weeds is developing grassroots and specific policies that start outside of the government. Now, the government can help. Yeah. The government can put in programs and policies and community efforts. But I believe that those particular gaps are bridged first with the individual. Yep. And then it works its way out. Um, from the house into the community, into the state, and then to affect the world. Now, maybe that's kind of a, possibly uh, maybe a pie in the sky, if you will, kind of approach. Um, but we looked at such a racial divide, and my question is always, where do we start? Is America as racist as it's ever been? That's what I want to ask you. You want the short answer? Yes. Okay. I believe that, that America is just as racist as it's ever been, and I think that it was magnified this year. Uh, or excuse me, last year, as we saw so much social unrest and as we saw uh, uh, so much protest, if you will, just as you saw what happened in uh, on the Capitol at the Capitol, when you saw that and you saw people. And if you sat there and let me let me just say, if you go to a BLM rally and you get uh, five people and ask them why they're there, they don't have a clue. They just don't like the way they're being treated or they don't like the people across the lines. The same thing that happened with uh, the Capitol when people uh, attacked the Capitol. You ask them why they're there, they really don't know. They're just there. We're trying to stop the government. There are people that say, let's kill somebody. For, for what? Because they're infringing upon their way of life. And, and the same thing happened at the BM, BLM rally. They're, they're being their way of life was being infringed upon, except for it's coming, one's coming from the top down, one's coming from the bottom up. So do I think that America is just as racist? Yes, I think that divide has to do with people that are in power, not wanting to lose it, and people who have no power are trying to move up the ladder, but they don't know why they really want the power. Or it's kind of like, uh, you know, when someone says, well, I could do that better than you. And then when you give them the keys, they can't drive. So, you know, yes, I believe that they were, that we're still just as racist as we ever were. Okay, so now that is a, that is a, a, a huge statement. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's one of the, in, in our conversations, that's one of the things that um, I push back on that America is as racist as it's ever been. 
talking about its 200 plus year history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of the atrocities that litter the landscape of that 200 plus year history mm-hmm. and the overt, the not the covert racism, mm-hmm. the absolute overt um, injustice and cruelty to black Americans, Native Americans and anybody that didn't have, have that particular hue. To say that America now in 2020, 2021, and just that little pocket of time is as racist as it was to when you were walking down the street and could see a black man hanging from a tree or see Emmett Till get killed for whistling, supposedly Mm -hmm. whistling at a white woman and getting beat so bad that he was disfigured. To see this in the, the, the numbers of that statement don't bear out when America is as diverse as it has ever been ever been, not just in governmental policies, but in business and in economics and in education. Uh, Black people are advancing in ways that they never have before economically. Uh, The black spending power is up exponentially. Uh, Blacks are graduating with four-year degrees and post-four-year degrees more than they ever have. There are 136 black African-American mayors within the confines of the United States. The 157th Congress is as most diverse as it has ever been. And I'm not even just talking about now just confined to black America, but to uh, women, to minorities, even to the LGBT. Mm -hmm. So America is as diverse as it has ever been. My view on this is that, um, and this is the spiritual part, Pastor Mm -hmm. Lee, I believe that there is a, if Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is correct, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Uh, We know that one of the vice, uh, one of the chief vices of the enemy is division. Mm -hmm. And perception equals reality to a lot of people. A lot of people, uh, Mm -hmm. what they see dictates what they believe. Without going behind the scenes and doing the research on it. I get it. And so I believe that we are now in a place to where division is profitable. And so the more I divide, the more I can put one person against another. Um, I don't know if you've ever been looking at these uh, TV shows and these commercials. Um, I'm seeing more interracial couples. Than ever. Than than ever. ever. And ever. And it leans one way, too. Yeah, well, it does. (laughs) And you're like, (laughs) it leans one way. That's another one. That's another one. That's another one. Absolutely. And it was like, Wow, that's that that's kind of crazy. Well, not crazy in the sense that yeah. it being crazy, yeah, but yeah. it was just surprising. Yeah. So when we talk about America is as racist as it's ever been, racism is a very strong word, and it's a dog whistle to black people. It's a dog whistle. And and uh, yeah, and I mean for for everyone. But now let me just to get back to as you started, you talked about lynching and those things. Is America as barbaric as it once was? Absolutely not. Because the the you know and that's what we do a lot of times we'll, we'll go and we we'll we'll say well there's no more lynchings and there, there there's no more uh, of the killings and these things that are in in mass like it used to be so do I think that America is as barbaric no because in the 1400s you know they put leeches on people to to bleed them so the world and people are not as barbaric as, as they once were but when we talk about racism and yes that we are we are diverse in everything that we do we have more spending power there's more money there's more billionaires there's more millionaires. So therefore, there's going to be more money. So now if black people can spend more money, it's because black people have more money and and that there's more money in circulation. (laughs) You can see that right now with what's going on in Congress. It's a difference of 600 billion or one point nine. I mean, 600 million, one point nine billion dollars. So are we as barbaric? No. But are the obstacles when I say as racist, are the obstacles that are, are in place right now? Similar to or the same as obstacles that were there 20 years ago. Uh, yes, there's still obstacles because the obstacles are placed in someone's brain. I know and, and you know, and, and I'm, let's be honest, we're always honest with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if uh, you go for a job interview and uh, a guy who doesn't look like you, a white guy, let's just call it like it is, goes for a job interview, exact same credentials, exact same uh, uh, education, exact same abilities and qualifications. Uh, depending on the color of the person who is interviewing, uh, most likely or more than likely, you're going to hire the person that looks like you. Case in point, uh, how many people or coaches in the NFL and and, and the upper management in the NFL that are are, are black or of African-American or minority? And people just hire the ones that look like them. Their mindset is because of what we see on TV, because of the divide that you said is profitable, 
and they're planting those seeds in us to make that make us believe that this person or these people are either inferior or these people are not worthy or these people are not as good. Or if we keep giving them positions of power, eventually our position of power will be lowered. That's that's straight and, up. My and, and I see that, Pastor. So so to, so to your point. And I want to make sure that everybody understands. Now, I am not by any stretch of the imagination saying that there is not still racism in Amen. America. Amen. Yes. Uh, absolutely not. I am. Uh, that's the furthest thing that I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I am also saying, though, in that same vein or with that same example, when one joins a fraternity, you join an Alpha, Kappa, whatever those Whichever. fraternities are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're in an upper echelon position of being able to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. And the applicant, two applicants... Um, going for the same job, went to the same college, and all those things are equal. But one applicant is of your brotherhood, of your sorority. Mm -hmm. Okay, that person, I'm not going to say has an obligation or a duty, but there is going to be a natural bent toward that person that identifies with that other person. Mm -hmm. And so there's a natural coalition or a natural cohesion when somebody that shares whatever type of basis it may be, whether that's skin tone, whether that's, you know, party affiliation, wherever that may be. So I'm not saying that America is not racist and we don't still have issues like redlining and all these things that go along. We absolutely do. But to the idea that America is as staunch racist as it has ever been, when we still have people in power that are, and you see the Congress right now, the Congress has the youngest uh, per capita in Congress that it ever has. Mm -hmm. So these 60, 70, and 80-year-old people that have been, you know, a conglomerate in Congress for years and decades up on end, these people are dying out and being replaced with 35 and 40-something-year-old people. So people that grew up post-racism, post-Jim Crow, post-segregation, these people are now getting into places of power where they can start to affect things. And I won't further say this, because we've had this conversation amongst our own little group where we said that the system protects itself, Mm -hmm. right? There's a system in place. Well, I believe that the system is being slowly dismantled. Hmm. And and I believe that because when you're looking at taking this all the way back to the slave days, Pastor Lee, when the slave escaped from the plantation, they would send out those slave bounty hunters, bring Mm -hmm. them back. And then what would they do with that escaped slave? They could have easily took him into the barn with just the master and the slave and beat him. But what did they do? They took that slave that they just brought, put him in front of everybody else Mm -hmm. and beat him, humiliated him, whatever the case may be, because the system was sending a signal to everybody else. If you dare do this, this is what's going to happen to you. The system was protecting itself. Now, the system has people in power that is slowly dismantling the system. The system cannot contain itself anymore because it's too many people coming in from too many different directions. So the idea that America right now is as staunch racist, as divided as people would want us to assume that it is, I believe is a farce, and I believe it is one of the chief tools that the enemy is using. Now, the, the America, you're not, you're obviously not saying America isn't divided. It's divided right down the middle. Yeah, it is divided. Right it, down the middle. It is divided. And but how is that division? How is that division happening? But the core of of those divisions, the core of those divisions, is has to do with socioeconomics and race. I, I honestly believe that the, the people that are that are that are on one side of the aisle are, as I said, they're 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 scared of losing their position and their power. The browning of America is is starting to make them nervous. And that's why, and you looked at the last campaign, they kept pointing the finger at the fact that look what's happening, look what's happening, you're losing your position, you're losing your power, and they're they're causing these folks to, to be in a frenzy and start frothing at the mouth. And then on the other side of the aisle, they say, well, look what's happening, those people don't want you to go somewhere, they don't want you to, to be elevated, so you need to push back, and push back as hard as you can. And then they go to the extreme, which was what you saw in Portland and Seattle this summer. And you you see what happened at the U.S. Capitol. Those are the extremes. Now, somewhere in the middle, there are people who are saying, well, well, uh, yes, I'm I'm nervous about where we're going. And yes, I'm uh, nervous about what we're losing. We got to find a way to to be able to come together to talk, bring it to the table and see how we can compromise. You don't see a lot of that. You don't see a lot of compromise because, as you said, the enemy will cause these distractions. They will cause these distractions and keep you focused on the problem as opposed mm-hmm. to the solution. They will keep you focused on uh, someone who's coming to take something from you that that you perceive belongs to you. 
Because let's be realistic. If you look at the people that are frothing at the mouth and scared of losing their power, they have the same socioeconomic status and power that the blacks and Hispanics have on this side. Mm -hmm. But the only difference is you are white America. So we're gonna, what we're going to do, we're going to make sure that America is great for you again. And that's where and the country is divided just about, as you said, straight down the middle, straight down the middle. And, and I believe that the seeds and the grassroots of that is where the enemy is using the race and the race card to keep people at, with this friction between them. So so then, Pastor Lee, so when we're talking about socioeconomics, when we're talking about uh, the educational um, standard between this race and that race and this people group and that people group, um, when we're talking about all of these different things that kind of make up this argument. Mm-hmm. And where do we go from here? Um, when you're looking at the system holding on to its power. So mm-hmm. right now, America is 73% Anglo. Um, the browning of America, and, and this is what I say about African Americans, right now we're at a tender almost 14% of the population. And declining. And declining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the next 10 years, just 10 years, mm-hmm. just 10 years, right now the Hispanic population in America is about 12.6. Mm-hmm. It, just in the next decade, just a 10-year just a window, that 12.6 is going to go all the way up to 19%. The African-American uh, uh, population, as you just said, is declining. So in that same 10-year window, we're almost at 14% now, we're going to go down to 12%. Now, you got the Hispanic Americans that are raising in population, the African-American community, which is decreasing in population, but yet we're talking about people taking this power. 18% to 73% is still a wide gap. But the gap, in the, the gap financially is, is even bigger. And see, that's, what, that's my thing, the, the folks that, because it's, never, it's not about the, 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 the numbers or the race. It's always about the money. I, I don't care. Any, it's, it's, it's always about the money. So how do we get, we keep people distracted of what we're really doing, the smoke and mirrors over here? Because, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll be honest, you know, I'm, I was ignorant to exactly how much money that we move in the government. I mean, mm-hmm. until this, until the last, uh, uh, yeah. until the pandemic. It's a shell game. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. I was like, my, so wait a minute. We're talking about this debt, national debt that we have, and then all of a sudden we got $2 trillion that we can go ahead and give. And then here's what they say. I'm going to give you $2,000. Yeah. Now, to, to a lot of people, $2,000 moves the needle. Yeah. But to the folks that $2,000 doesn't move the needle, they're, that's, that's literally what they're arguing about right now. Mm-hmm. How much money to give to the people that need the $2,000 or $600. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the sticking point is supposedly. Now, we know better than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We know better than that. So let's go back to what I said initially, that I, I, I don't want to be distracted. Now, do I have opinions? Yes. That's why I started saying that I have opinions. But I don't want to be distracted by the, the stuff that really doesn't matter. So without being, uh, and, and I hate to say that, too spiritual, because that's how I am. I'm made up of uh, with a biblical worldview. You, you introduced me as Pastor James Lee. I'm just Christian James Lee, and I, I need to make sure that I can stay focused on what God has called us to do. Now, has God called us to call out call out injustice? Absolutely. Is there still injustice for all peoples, including blacks? Absolutely. So those are the, 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 the things that we want to stay focused on is the injustice and also not get distracted by out of the 1.9 uh, billion that they're spending that that maybe eight hundred million is going to the uh to the people on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And it's going every other place except to the people. Except to the people. Everything else that's included with that, to your point today, as with the article you sent me this morning. Uh uh there was so much other stuff that was tied to that executive order to make sure so if you want this, then you have to give me this, 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 and this. Yeah. Yeah. That's the political game that they're playing. So I get a peanut, and then they get the rest of the Snicker bar. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, so Come let's on, man. so let's bridge this thing. So, yeah. um, so when we're talking about what's going on in our world today, so me and you are pastors, and let me tell you, we we love the Lord. Amen. We we do have a biblical worldview. Yes, sir. Um, one of the things that we talk about exhaustively is the fact of how to bridge. 
where we are, merge them with a biblical belief so that we have some type of saneness in this conversation. Because just talking about these issues in and of themselves, drive you by nuts. themselves, with no other uh, reference points, will literally drive you crazy. Yes. The problem that we see with that, uh, Pastor Lee, at least from my vantage point, is that the church is the salt and the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are living right now in a world that is... Um, rapidly leaving the things of God where, and and I mean rapidly where there, and when I use this term conservative, I use it loosely in in regards to the biblical belief. Like people are conservative, not in some political ideology, but that God says, do this. That's why I'm going to do this. God said, this is wrong. That's why I'm not going to do it. So when I use the word conservative, I'm not using it in a p- political affiliation. Okay. I'm using it in regards to a biblical uh, belief. So now the conservative biblical belief is quickly being abandoned. And so now, I mean, it's something par for the course for those of us who are in the word of God and, and in church. I mean, we're almost archaic now trying to bring a message of peace and reconciliation through the blood of Christ as the only hope Hmm. Hmm. for mankind. That message, that message gets drowned out. Mm -hmm. So we become like John the Baptist in the wilderness. Straight in the wilderness. (laughs) Right? We become an Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our report, (laughs) right? So we're busy preaching to the people, but it's not affecting world events. So how do you bridge it without um, without becoming discouraged that you're not seeing the needle move quick enough or to one side or the other? Man, man. You know, as, as we are looking, just as I said, we are going through, the, I'm studying the book of Hebrews right now. And uh, in, in chapter 3, it says, consider Jesus. Consider or, or to focus on Christ, to take dead aim, fix your eyes on Christ, just like it says in, in uh, chapter 12, verse, verse 2, to fix your thoughts on Christ. So if we fix our, our thoughts on Christ and keep our eyes on, on Jesus, then, then that will continue to encourage us because our encouragement comes from the fact that we know what we're called to do and we know what God has called us to do because, see, the Hebrews are going through a, 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 a time right now where they're considering going back. To, to the old ways. They're considering going back because they are uh, getting ready to be persecuted and are under some persecution. But what they're doing is they're forgetting about how bad it was when they went back or how bad, where they came from. And, and we got to keep our mind and our thoughts on Christ because if not, then we can remember where we came from. And I'm not talking about this, this huge, like as the church, I'm talking about as, as me personally, because what did I come from? You know, I came from a a life of drugs. I came from a life of despair. I came from a life of discouragement. And and if I don't continue to focus on Jesus and continue to push, then there's somebody out there that won't know that they can get out of that life of despair. They can get out of that life of discouragement. So that's the thing that drives me. Now, the big picture, when you start merging and bridging the big picture with the Bible, you end up with some of, of uh, if you get if you take your eyes off Christ and start focusing on the problem or focusing on the situation. I think what happens is you see where some of these are our conservative Christian brothers ha- have now uh, aligned themselves with conservative political views and trying to force the Bible into their conservative political views. And then your political views become your God. And then so therefore, it, since that's become your God, then your Bible has to line up with that view. Mm-hmm. Thus, so many people aligning with the Republican agenda saying that that's Christian. No, it's not. It's just like no some people uh, aligning with the Democratic agenda and the agenda to take care of people saying that that's Christian. No, it's not. Let's just be Christian and then we'll vote with our, our conscience. We'll vote with, with uh, what we understand and believe because we're in this system, so we have to vote. But we can't take our eyes off of Jesus. We, can't, we have to fix our thoughts, take dead aim. At Jesus Christ and, and what he's called us to do. Okay, so that's a difference in ideologies. Okay, but that's so too, so the Christian so everybody has the same Bible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now unless you're supposed to be reading the New King James Version, but you could have another one. But yeah. everybody has the same Bible with the same sixty-six books, mm-hmm. same message from Genesis to Revelation. We know as pastors that somebody can read this passage, give it to another person and read that same passage. And that brother gets something out of the sky 
that ain't got nothing to do with the passage. Well, that's Bible study, and that's, so, that's so that's Bible study, right? Okay, so poor interpretation. When, you, when you're talking about the Bible as being that whole, so let's look at where we are right now as 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 younger young Black America, just young America in general. When you see this generation and the mass exodus hmm. of this generation, the younger generation leaving the church because they don't see the church as being relevant. They see the church as preaching the same message. And so many of these young folks are out there and they're doing what they do because they don't see the church engaged in the issues that are dear to them. And so when they come in, they want to talk about these issues, these issues. And then we come and say, first of all, let's talk about Christ. Let's get your heart set on Christ. And then as your heart gets set on Christ, then we can tackle these issues from a biblical perspective, not from a black perspective, white perspective, Republican and or Democrat. That message, Pastor Lee, is not warranted. It's not accepted. I have an agenda that I am trying to achieve. The church is not meeting that agenda. So at the end of the day, when we begin to start preaching the uncompromised message of Christ, whose ears are falling upon? What do we do? There's so many different beliefs out here that we have to try to bridge in order to get people in the same place. Martin Luther King got killed for that belief. Hmm. Hmm. Malcolm X got killed by that belief. You know, and you know the story of Brother Malcolm. When that brother went to Mecca and he saw blue-eyed Arabs and blue-eyed of uh, these, he came back and he was like, hold on. His whole message changed. And when his message changed to start to talk about people. And unity. Unity, mm -hmm. not uniformity, no. but true unity, mm -hmm. he got killed. They killed the brother. So how do we do it? What's the... <laughs> Are, are we willing to die for it? You, you should be. You should be. You should be. Uh, we, you know, there we say that there's some some mountains that you uh, should be willing to die on. The mountain that I'm willing to die on is that the message of Jesus Christ is going to stay the same because it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Excuse the, the, the cliche or, or you know, the, of course, the quoting, but it is the same. Now, uh, the young people that come to the church and they say, well, it's not relevant. It's not relevant because you, you're trying to force something into it. And, and what, hap what has happened is our race— has become our God. Yeah, talk our about religion that. has our become. Reli I mean, yeah. not, I mean, our race has become our, our God. Our politics has become our religion, and, and, and I say it all the time. Uh, I, I believe it was in Tony Evans' book, "One That's Embraced," that where he said that black folks, we just we Christian because we black. Since we've been through so much stuff, yeah, you know, we've been through so much that we, you know we have to be saved. And then white folks, on the other hand, because we're American, we're a Christian nation. Yeah. Because we're America, we're yeah. saved, and none of that saves yeah. you. The only thing that saves you is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what saves you. But when you start to uh, think about where you are as a black person, because I'm already saved, so we don't have to discuss that. Now I want to grow from uh, personally. I need some more money, some more stuff, and some more power. And the same thing on the opposite side. Of the I don't want to lose my money, my stuff, or my power. When, as I said before, if we focus on Christ, that, that unification, that unity, like the young people when they come in, Let's talk about the unity and unification. Yes, they're leaving in mass exodus. And, and does it have to do with relevance because the, the Bible is not relevant? Uh, that's a, a them problem, not an us problem. Mm -hmm. Now, if we preach the message of unity, and here, here's another thing that we have to do as, as, as Christians of the generation that has gone ahead, is we've got to maintain consistency in the yeah. life that we yeah. live. yeah. It's too many. Too, there are too many of us who uh, live one way and talk another way. We're, we're, we're double minded. We're, we're tossed to and fro. We got to stay focused and stay the course and be the same on Sunday as we are Monday through Saturday. Yeah. We got to live a Christian. We got to stop separating our Christianity from our everyday life. I'm a Christian every day and everywhere that I go. And then when people start seeing consistency, then... Then and only then, then we can ask for, then people will start to follow and start to understand and believe what we say that we believe. And so you make an excellent point here, Pastor Lee, because we're talking about idolatry. And, you know, many when, we, when they read the Bible, they, they, they look at idolatry when Aaron, you know, fashioned the, the golden calf. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're like, man, I ain't fashioning no golden calf. I ain't worshiping down or that. But idolatry comes in very subtle forms. Yes, like what you worship, what you give allegiance to, what's important to you may not be as blaring as fashioning a golden calf. Yeah. Like that's just too much. Of course that's not me. 
But the stuff that we idolize comes very, very, goes under the radar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have made race identity our God. Yes, yes. Political affiliation, black or, I mean, blue or red, Republican or Democrat, that has become the sticking point to where you have to fall on one side or the other. And we have made that an idol in our lives. And now, because it's such a huge idol, trying to chop that thing down into manageable pieces <laughs> yeah. is sometimes very, very discouraging. And so when you're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me just affirm this. You know this. You just said this. It is the only thing that is going to save mankind. The only thing. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse number 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Here's the point. In Christ Jesus, we're one. Yeah. Yeah. Out of Christ Jesus, We're you not. black, you white, you Jew, you not, you Republican, you Democrat. Preaching now. So all of the, yeah, I don't mean to do that. <laughs> but I, I say this because we're at a tipping point. You got grandkids right now. Yes, yes. Um, I got kids that are in college and should the Lord, uh, you know, spare my life, I'll be able to enjoy um, the fruit of being a grandparent someday soon. But when you look at your grandkids, I know your heart kind of feels a certain way about where they will be. In 10 years, 15 years. Yeah. And you want a better life. For them, absolutely. For them. Yes, yes. You want them to experience a better world. What is that better world? Hmm. Man. Uh, well, first of all, this is about the time in the podcast where I have to go ahead and revamp or, or recap what you've done to me. <laughs> you started off with the state of black America. We ended up with ideology and the racism and the barbarism of America then we went into uh, the church and how it's uh, just been so far off. And now you want me to say, hey, what does the world look like better for my grandparents, my grandchildren? A world for my grandchildren is a world that people see people for who they are. People understand that uh, because my skin is different, because I uh, grew up on another side of the tracks, because... Uh, my eye color is different. My IQ may be different because I'm different. Doesn't make me any better or any worse than you. Where we understand that we are all the Imago Dei. Everyone was created in the image and likeness of God. And we will continue to uh, or start to love people or at least think about people that way before we make decisions about folk. Before we make those decisions to like or dislike or to hold back or to push forward or to encourage or discourage, that there will be a considering that God made him just like he made me. God made her just like uh, he made me. And, and when if, if there's that world, and I do believe that that world's going to, it'll be when Jesus comes back. Yeah, let let yeah. me preface that by saying yeah. that's, <laughs> that's the world that I, yeah. now, what do I believe? I just, now, that's what I know that that's going to be when Jesus comes back. But what I would like to see in my grandchildren's time is that the opportunities and the obstacles be removed and they would be able to just achieve to the ability to which they want to achieve where they can reach the heights that they want to reach. Because you know my thing, man. Somebody's got to take out the trash. Mm -hmm. Everybody's not going to be a doctor. Everybody's not going to be a lawyer. Everybody can't be the president. Everybody can't be an NBA player or a, a, professional, a professional football quarterback. Everybody can't be that guy. But just give me the opportunity to be all that I can be without as many obstacles. Now, to your point, I don't have all of the obstacles that my great uncle had mm -hmm. or my uncle had or my dad had. And uh, the way we're shifting is I see some of those obstacles being placed back in place for my grandchildren. Because I've had opportunities that my, my forefathers, uncles, great uncles, and father didn't have. I've had a bunch of opportunities. Now, could I have done more if the obstacles that I had in front of me were removed? Absolutely. And I'm talking about race obstacles now. I'm not mm -hmm. talking because everybody has obstacles. You know, some people that are born on the other side of the tracks but are white, they still have obstacles. But there's some things that were placed there because uh, I was black and I wasn't given opportunity. You know, working 22, 31 years of government service, I've seen where people just automatically assume because I'm a six foot three, 280 pound black, well, hey, 260 pound black man, hallelujah to the lamb. But, uh, <laughs> but they automatically made an assumption 
And by making that assumption, they 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 would not give me the opportunity because I don't even want to hear from him because, you know, let's just talk about the Rockets. We, we said that last time on the other podcast. That's what they want to talk about, the Houston Rockets, when they should have been talking about NASA Rockets. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? So I want those obstacles, those mental and, and, and psychological obstacles to be removed on both sides because psychologically I talk to a lot of people because in Heavenly Hands, Bethel's Heavenly Hands, is uh, uh, the food pantry here on the, the southwest side of town. I just would go ahead and make us a little commercial there. Absolutely. <laughs> Where we're serving over 7,000 folks a month in Hallelujah. <laughs> and go to www.bethelsheavenlyhands.org <laughs> if you would like to donate. Uh, but I see so many people on the other side who are on pushing their way up through the uh, the muck, the mire, and the obstacles where psychologically they don't believe that there's an opportunity for them. They'll never do that for me. They'll never give me that opportunity. I could never do that. And, and and when you look at it from you got pushing up and pushing down, that that's a tremendous amount of pressure. And the only thing that I would like for my grandchildren is for some of that pressure to be removed. You can be whatever you want to be. And there won't be as many obstacles in a way to stop you from being what you want to be. So, so Pastor Lee, so... Is 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 that a viable, um, you know, looking at somebody and making a judgment call, is that racism, classism, or any other isms, or is that just human nature? Well, I'm black, so it's racism. But, yeah, so, so that's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> so that's what I label it. Everybody <laughs> does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Everybody no, you're right, you're looks right. at somebody and makes a decision you're right. on that person without knowing anything about them. Without knowing anything about him. There was a young man, if you're watching this podcast, that's why I didn't answer the door. I was in my garage working on something. I saw this young man walking down the street. He was obviously selling something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't look like somebody that I wanted to engage with. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't answer the door because I didn't want to be bothered with it. I made a judgment call, not of anything about that young man, simply based on, and he wasn't black. But simply based on mm, something ain't right about that. I made a judgment call from afar about a person that I knew nothing about. That's not racism, classism, or any other isms. That's just a part of the the sinful human nature. No, I don't disagree. But we're now in, in the context with which we're talking, how can we make the world a better place for my grandchildren? The state of black America, that we stop making when there's an, an opportunity to, there's three people sitting over there uh, uh, waiting to be interviewed or waiting to be heard. Stop making a judgment call about that person. Uh, uh, don't put the obstacle there and say, well, I don't want to hear that person because he's probably A or he, she's probably A. Stop making those judgment calls. And then when we're talking about how we can uh, bridge the gap between races and between political parties, that we start seeing people for how who they are in the, the sight of God. That's that's all that I'm saying. So in, in that same vein, so Pastor Lee, I am good and solidly saved. I am on my way to glory. If I drop dead right now, Studio B, I will awaken in the channels of heaven to behold my God. I am 100% saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I still, being 100% saved, have read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I still make those same judgment calls as a born-again Christian. As, as every single day going throughout life, I rely, I want to call it intuition and, and all that other good <laughs> stuff. You know, I want to make myself feel good about it. But I make judgment discernment. calls. It's discernment. discernment. It's discernment. <laughs> That's the good it's, Bible word. It's discernment, right? So when we're talking about the <laughs> obstacles for your kids, your grandkids, my kids coming up, um, are there going to be obstacles that are going to be put in their way? Absolutely, 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 absolutely. But I am surrounded as a black man in 2020 Mm -hmm. with successful black men, men that have gone through hell and high water, who have faced insurmountable challenges from A to Z, name it, from A to Z. I am surrounded by black men who made positive choices in the midst of making some bad ones, too, some people don't recover from bad decisions. That's just kind of par for the course. Yeah. Some people recover from it. Other people don't. Some people get called for doing that. Other people don't. It's just par for the course. That's Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know successful black people that have come up through the ranks and who have overcome those said obstacles from many different aspects 
and went on to achieve being great fathers, great husbands, uh, uh, producers in society, attaining high levels of success in corporate entities. And so when I talk about right now those same obstacles that my grandfather and great-grandfather have, and then that you say are being reinstated, uh, we just elected a female black vice president. Okay. Okay. So th- the system, uh, going back to the system, the system is not protecting itself anymore. The, the, the system is allowing for these successes, which at one point in time was a threat to the system. Well, now the system is opening up the doors to these particular successes. So now we have a woman, Nancy Pelosi, who is the third person in line to be the president. Mm-hmm. We have Madam Vice President Harris, who is the second in line to be the president. And then we have President Biden, who is the first, who is the president. So now we have all of these things that are happening. So when you say that they're being reinstated here in 2021, and that is going to affect our future generations, how is that so? See, and, and, and that's what, what, what we do, and I know we got time. What what happens is, and that's why when when you and I, I love having these conversations with you, because we're now we can't I can't have yeah, yeah, this yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. Cause, with cause, everybody because people get upset and they, <laughs> you know, because they, 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 you know what's the old saying? Don't raise your voice, better your argument. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't raise your voice, raise your level of intellect. So but go ahead. <laughs> now, just like you had to had to preface before, let me preface. I by absolutely no means am a liberal uh, in 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 anything that I do. I, I am I'm conservative in a lot of things that I do. I'm by no means uh, affiliated or associated with either party, with either party. It's just that when you and I have these conversations, we talk about yin and yang, that I will not allow you <laughs> to go and tell me that we got a woman vice president and we got a woman speaker of the house and, and we've got a whole bunch of all the successful black men and women and Asian and, and, and uh, Hispanic men and women that you know is going to erase the fact that there is still an ugly monster out there that's in really, the basement. That's, it ain't even in the basement. <laughs> it ain't in the basement. That dude, let me tell you something. That dude is walking down the street and he can't, he can't rear his ugly head. So let me, let me just say, yes, I do not disagree. Because you know my story, I know your story. We have, uh, there are successful uh, people of all nationalities, all colors. I love to use Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford was adopted. And he wasn't even adopted into the greatest family. But he rose to become the president. So there were obstacles in his life that, that, that could have kept him from achieving greatness. But he chose to press through. Now, there are some of, of us that, that start with uh, very little to nothing. And we press through and we, re, we reach levels of success. Now, we can't say that without saying, but by the grace of God. Absolutely. So we have to Absolutely. say that because Absolutely. somebody's going to hear this and say, well, them preachers talking about they, 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 they made it through there. No, 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 no. It was but by the grace of God. Now, watching as I do daily when I see people coming to uh, for services, there are some people there that are clearly, clearly, clearly taking advantage of the system. There are people that are there clearly doing that. But, of course, at, because of God, the grace of God that got us through, we're going to extend grace. There are, there are also those who the system has taken advantage of and, and are, have beaten down, like brothers and sisters that have been given these felonies that for acts that were not necessarily felonious at one time. And then the system won't allow them to get apartments. The mm-hmm. system won't allow them to get jobs. Mm-hmm. Then here's the thing. Some of them can't even vote. But the people that are making decisions for them are the people that, that everyone else has voted for. So we, we have uh, uh, us as a black as black men who have pressed through because of the grace of God. I'm able to pay my bills on time. I'm actually able to put 12 cent every year in the bank. Hallelujah to the lamb. I can save a little something. And, and, but I cannot forget that there are those that didn't have these opportunities and obstacles removed, didn't have the perseverance maybe to press through, that those are in the majority and the minority are, are still going to be us that are the vice president and the speaker of the house. That, that's the, the, the but minority. See, that, that, that's the narrative, though. So That's not the narrative. That's so, the truth. That's so, numbers. You're a numbers guy. That, the numbers bear that out. So take your grandfather. Okay. Take your mama and stick them in the 2020 
Which they my paternal or my maternal grand? Because my paternal grandfather is going to be a felon because he shot a white man in 1923. <laughs> okay. So he's going to jail no matter. <laughs> okay, so he's going to jail. Bad, 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 bad illustration. So, so I get what you're saying, Pastor Lee. I absolutely get what you're saying. This is not going to be something that um, we're, we're going to solve on one podcast. But mm. I, I've I have said, man, and I want to I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. Yeah. There are racial obstacles that are still present, yes. prevalent. Working in the banking industry, I've seen it a lot. Um, I, I've seen these particular measures being put before. I absolutely understand that. I absolutely get that. But when a but but I believe that the 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 problem for Black America is also solved by Black America. I don't disagree with that. And so to I an think, extent, there there is an extent to that. Yeah. There, there, there is an extent to that. So the the problems that are created within Black America, I don't know. And again, some people can rebound from bad decisions. I made in 47 years, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I, I, I've made a ton of them. And by God's grace, he hadn't allowed me to be in jail or to suffer some of the damning consequences that came along with those decisions. I'm on the other side of grace. I praise God for yeah. it. There are other people that are not able to rebound from those decisions. I completely get that. But when you're looking at some of the issues that face black America within black America, Within Black America, if we put more attention, more attention, as opposed to trying to say government set a policy so that they can't do this, government set a standard that they can't do this, and allowing and having this idea that the government, the United States government, is supposed to come in and save Black America because Black America needs to be saved because you're so disenfranchised, beaten down, and impoverished by the system that you need us to save you. I believe that there are more people out there that are on the other side of that that are trash men but are doing well. Mm -hmm. But don't get that kind of recognition. I don't believe that successful black men are a part of the minority or black families are a part of the minority. I believe that the, 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 the way in which we further divide race against race, party against party, class against class is by driving this division home every single day. Yes, yes. To get people to say, man, well, my uncle works over here, but he's got a wife and kids. Yeah. I mean, he don't live in whatever said neighborhood, but he's taking care of his responsibilities. But that doesn't sell newspapers. And that's what we do. We watch the, the news. And, like, you know, I, you know how I feel about it. How I, what I do, you know, I go, I watch CNN for a little bit. Then I go, well, I shouldn't say, well, you know, I watch the, the, the <laughs> one side. And then I go ahead and watch the other side or, or, or you know, Fox on the other side. And, and it's amazing how you can see them reporting on the same story but have two totally different points of view Absolutely. and they're changing the angle. Now we've got to be smart enough to realize or to be astute or to pay attention enough to know what, what's actually taking place. So I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you one. So how hour. do we fix? Maybe this, is that too much of a pie in the sky to say, say fix? Yeah. Fix. Maybe we yeah. need to mend. Yeah. Yeah. Do some patchwork. I don't even know if that, how do we, how do we uh, educate? How do we uh, adjust? How do we avert the attentions and the understanding of this thing? We've got to be able to let people know that this is going on because it's amazing. I, I'm telling you, when you watch people and you, you see what's going on in the news and the media and you see how people are being shaped and formed and moved by social media and all these things, yeah. and we're putting so much time into these things. Yeah. To where, man, we, we, we've lost focus on the fact that there's nothing new under the sun. That if you spend some time in the Word of God and you spend some time just sometimes turning the TV and the radio off and just thinking, man, and meditating on the Word of God. And, and not even necessarily your purpose, but, but how God can use you or listening to what God is, is saying. You'll be able to see some of these things. You can That spiritual warfare that you talked about. You know, you, you'll be able to to know that there, this is bigger than just black and white. Yeah, yeah. Because the same people that are, we talked about smoke and mirrors, while they're saying give 600 or give $2,000 to the, the lower half of the uh, society, 
The rest of the money is going to that 1%. Yeah, exactly. The rest of the money is going to that 1%. I heard a brother say the other day, and it makes perfectly good sense. If James Lee can have uh, $10 saved and enough money to last, well, let's be realistic. If James Lee, during the pandemic, if James Lee has enough money to save that he can live for six months Mm -hmm. while we make it through this pandemic, then why doesn't the billion-dollar corporation have enough money? to? We know they do. Yeah. We know that they do. So we are being uh, duped into or, or we're, we're over here at sleight of hand, the shell game, like you said in there, saying, look over here, give you 600, but we're missing the yeah. other that's going on over here. And they're, oh, well, we can't hire anybody. See, somebody is doing something and moving that money. That's the reason why uh, when you look at the, the political system and you look at how, why does a billionaire want to be a politician? Yeah, Exactly. Why does a billionaire want to be a politician? Yeah. I don't care about the It's the power. So I can move more money and do. So left wing, right wing, all the same bird. All the same bird, man. It's, it's a bird, different, bird. different color. Yeah. So let me, I want to give you the last word here, man. Um, I, I, before I do that, I want to plug. Everybody, you got to have people in your life. That, you know, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 27 and 17, as iron sharpens iron, so does one brother sharpen his other brother. Um, I stand on, and I want to end this on a biblical premise. Okay. Um, I look at people like uh, Joseph, and this goes along with my upbringing with my mom and and how I was raised. But I look at people like Joseph, and, you know, he's a story in the Bible. You know, (laughs) he was sold into slavery by his brothers, thrown in a pit, you know, rose to prominence in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife lied on him. Uh, sent him to jail falsely for rape. He served in jail for 13 years and told somebody his dream. That person forgot about him for a couple of years. And then eventually he winds up being the second in command right up on the Pharaoh. And we look at these stories like David, you know, the nobody, you know, he is tending the sheep while the other brothers are in there being interviewed for the job of king. He's on <laughs> yeah. the backside. So I look at all of these stories, right? Uh, in the Bible, and they actually become just stories until you really start to say, man, God, if God is real, then Joseph is real. Yeah. Then David is real. And Joseph went through hell on earth. David, his kids tried to kill him. Yeah. Like these people that God used, God found them at their lowest point, and through the grace and mercy of God, God took them to where he wanted them to be. Each person in life has that level. We mess up when God has said, this is our level. This is our, this is our level of attainment, mm-hmm. but this is where we want to be. Yeah. That's always going to be some disappointment, some frustration in between these two levels, because you'll never get that because that's not what God wants you to be. So I say this to say this, Lee. Yes, we got some challenges. We got some problems. But I believe that God can help us overcome these challenges and get to the level of not where this person says we should be, not where that person says we should be, but where God has ordained for us to be. That sweet spot. Yeah. Finding out it, it, maybe that's a trash man. Maybe that's a manager at a local restaurant. But if there's happiness there, if there's contentment there, peace there, you in that sweet spot, baby. Yeah. And so when I try to encourage people about all this division and stuff that's going on, black, white, Republican, Democrat, all of this, these isms that are constantly being thrown our way, man, let's take a step back and say, okay, man, God, where's my sweet spot? Now, wherever that sweet spot is, you're going to need somebody to help you get there. Whatever that sweet spot is, Lee. Uh, We're not going to 7,000 people a month being uh, heavenly hands, being all that it is doing the magnificent work that it is doing. If other people didn't help heavenly hands get to that sweet spot. Say that. Now, come on, say it. So how do we bridge that? I want to give you the last word on this. What's the gospel message to somebody watching who may be saying, man, you know what? Yeah, yada, yada, yada. I feel this. I feel that. How would you encourage this person watching? Male, female, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, wherever they may be, how would you encourage them right now where they are in life? See, that's why I mess with you, man, because you everything has got to be brought back to uh, the gospel. And that's where the, the, the basis, even for our friendship, even with the uh, our differences in opinion, 
because your opinion can be different, man. But if your gospel is the same, then you've got the same objective. So how, how do I, I encourage, <coughs> excuse me, how do I encourage them? Uh, just as we were, as a, when I started, that we've got to keep our focus on the, the things that matter. What matters? What matters is that people get to know who Christ is. And as people understand and know who Christ is and know who they are in Christ, then you, you start to come to the understanding and realization, first of all, that everything on this side is temporary. Mm, yeah. Everything on this side is yeah. temporary. Yeah, man, I because wish we talked about that. Yeah. When Elon Musk dies, somebody else gets that money. Yeah. When Donald Trump dies, somebody else gets what all whatever he has left. When James Lee Marcus Holman, when we die, then only thing that we're, that's left is our legacy and the memory of who we were. That's what lasts. Mm. See, only what you do for Christ will, will, will last. So how do I encourage you? Continue to chase after God and stop trying to chase after success. Mm. As you chase after God, your contentment level personally, and I know this to be a fact, your contentment level will change. Whereas you once were only content with certain things, now you can be content with either less or That's you can be word. content with more. Because what happens is, I was reading a, a, an article, the guy that's flying uh, on the, the SpaceX, gosh, I forget his name, but he, start, he dropped out of high school and he's a billionaire now. And he's a, an adrenaline junkie, a thrill seeker. He's paying to fly uh, into outer space. He's paying however much money Elon Musk is, is charging. And he's seeking these thrills because he's never, being, he's never been satisfied. He can't be satisfied. You can't ever get enough adrenaline. It's just like any other drug. But when you center your thoughts on Christ, when you uh, sit down and spend some time and say, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you need me to be? Your contentment level either rises where you're content with, with being, being where you are or you're content with being here at, at, a, lower, at a lower point. You're content because you're content in Christ, That's not content word. in things. That's a good word. Don't be content in things. Be content in Christ. And, I, and pressure will, will be removed. I've had uh, jobs that pay me quite a bit. I've had jobs that didn't pay me very much. But until I got to a place where I was serving God and being content with who he said I was, you know the story, man. When I came on staff, I wanted to be the man sitting next to the man. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Come on, this Pastor James Lee. I've been here at this church 19 years, past, or 17 years. Pastor August, yeah, I know you're going to bring me up in here and you're going to have me, you're going to build me. Cut your office in half and give it. <laughs> yeah, give it to me. <laughs> Man, God put me in the pantry at the bottom of the church, 150 feet from the dumpster. You know, and I'm telling you, at first I was like, man, okay. <laughs> but, but you know what? As I, because I'm content with where God has me, Man, I've never been more purposeful. Yeah. I've never been more fulfilled. Yeah. I've never been more excited. I don't come to work, man. I come to engage all the people that are uh, despondent and in despair and are excited. Because some people come and they're excited just because they get to come here and do their, do their thing. Yeah. Because their contentment is in Christ, not in what they have and their discouragement. It's being content with where God has you and who God has made you to be. That's how I encourage. So uh, everybody, so I wanna um, I wanna thank my uh, my guest, my my good friend, Pastor James A. Lee, James Albert Lee, from Philadelphia. Um, uh, I'm gonna blot out that Eagles cup that he got sitting on the uh, thing over there. But I wanna uh, thank this brother um, for all that you do, man. Um, you know, we ought to give people their roses while they live. And so, you know, brother, you are a great friend of mine. I greatly appreciate your friendship. And I, I'm sitting back and, you know, I, I enjoy when other people succeed. Uh, you know, my mother-in-law always said that if God is blessing you, he's in the neighborhood. Yeah. So I just got to stick close and stay at home. Some of, the, you know, <laughs> some of that blessing will kind of come off. Man, so I'm enjoying seeing what God is doing through you, man, and your leadership through Heavenly Hands. Uh, so go ahead and give a plug to Heavenly Hands, man. Look in your camera right there. All right. Bethel's Heavenly Hands is the benevolence arm for Bethel's Family Baptist Church. 
We are located at 12660 Fondren, excuse me, 12660 Sandpiper Road in Houston, Texas, 77035. If you don't have a car, can't come to see us, it's, you can find us on the on the web at www. That's because a lot of the people that are going to donate are older, so you got to say www.bethelsfamily.org. Look in there, see what we do, see how we serve seven to 8,000 people a month. We uh, serve food for those who need food. We've got clothing. For those who need clothing, that we have opportunities for those who need opportunity, but we got Jesus for everybody who doesn't know Jesus. Come check out our website. Check out what we do. If you want to donate, there's a donate button up on the right-hand corner. Click to donate. We accept all donations because what we do is we just serve and give everybody what God has given us. And that's love, that's compassion, and that's an opportunity. So come on by and see us or take a look at our website. Pastor Holman, I just want to thank you, man, for having me back. I hope that Steve over there doesn't doesn't take the whole thing and edit it completely out because our conversation <laughs> was robust. As And just to let you know, it's not... A, Nowhere near as robust as it normally is. Oh, no. We, we toned it down a lot. And we were polite because, man, you know, usually you got to wait till somebody exhale or inhale before we can talk. Yeah, so, man, yeah, yeah. man, look, I thank you. I appreciate you as a brother and as a friend. Uh, the same thing. I feel the same way. The roses need to be given. Uh, I've watched Studio B go from a concept and an idea to where it is right now. Keep on doing what you do. I'm glad that I got it on the ground floor because when you get your studio downtown, I don't know if you're going to let me in, but it's all good. But God is good. Man. God <laughs> is good. Everybody, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the set of Studio B. Remember, uh, like, follow, subscribe, even comment. Uh, make sure wherever you're accessing your podcast from, you can access Studio B from that particular place as well. And I want to make sure that you know that we appreciate your viewership, man. We know that you can spend your time in many other ways. But sitting down and, and chopping us up uh, uh, with here on Studio B, man, it's greatly, greatly appreciated. So we thank you very much, man. Uh, happy days to everybody. We'll see you next week.